0: we
2: And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK. On the other side. And joining us as they do every single week for the MGO Blog Roundtable is the MGO Blog Roundtable Crew. And is there anything to talk about? Man, it's something happening every day. Coaches going, coaches staying, candidates being interviewed. Uh, there's a big interview today. And so, a lot to recap. But first, there are introductions uh, to handle. Starting off first with the guy who started it all at MGO Blog, Brian Cook. Brian, good morning. How are you? I am well. Your right hand man over at MGO Blog is none other than Seth Fisher. Seth Fisher, good morning. How are you?
0: My wife changed our coffee this morning. It's not working.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then, what, Mr. Craig Ross? Craig, where are you?
3: I'm in Kona, Hawaii uh i'll be here for a couple of weeks uh it's nice nice here probably nicer than ann arbor in terms of the weather but i still whenever i leave ann arbor i do miss it so anyway it's what 4 a.m here so
0: okay yeah, you all want right me so- your wisconsin tickets and i didn't take them
3: yeah i know i think uh alex train or his brother might have taken them i hope so so yeah
2: so to To recap, as we jump in, uh, the coaching carousel, as Sharon Moore looks to uh, complete his staff, uh, there have been a lot of departures, as we well know. As you are, uh, basically, you're the farm system for three NFL teams now. With Mike McDonald in Seattle, you got the the Ravens, who've had a lot of movement from their staff. And, of course, you have Jim with the Chargers. And so since we were last on, the most recent departure is Mike Mike Elston, who is going to go out to the Chargers. You have um, Kurt Mallory, who is a sneaky uh, – That was that's a tough – a sneaky, tough loss because I don't think people really understand, uh, you know, he was, he was a dude on the back end uh, from an analyst perspective. He goes to be the Ravens' secondary coach, so he goes back on the field like he was with the Falcons before he came back to Michigan. Um, Dylan Roney got to go out to the Michigan's GA. His GA time has been exhausted. He's gonna go out to the uh to the chargers. I'm trying to see am I am I missing anyone? Uh but Clink is gonna stay. So Clink is gonna remain in the fold uh, for Sharon. So he was able to fend off the, the attempts at Grant and fend off the attempts at at Clink. At so this is this musical chairs are ongoing, leading up to an interview today with, with Wink Martindale as Joe Cullen sent word back yesterday that he's he he's gonna wait. Till after the Super Bowl, that's that's just code, and I know it's just code for him. he's going to see what shakes in the NFL. He has um, Mike McDonald with the with the Seahawks looking at him, and then of course Andy Reid, from what I understand, is is trying to work some things out there too. So Wink Martindale in the in the crosshairs for for Michigan at this point. Let's just start with you, Brian. Your reaction to the losses, <laughs> reaction to the retention, and then of course getting the wink.
1: Well, I mean, I think keeping clink scale is huge. I mean, the guy did incredible work at Kentucky with their secondary and Michigan started a UMass transfer at one of their cornerback slots this year, and they had the best secondary in college football. So I think that if you told me that there was one guy who is a position coach who I could keep, I would have said clink scale because we've seen what he's able to do technique wise. I, and I feel like, you know, Elston was, was here and he did a great job. He did a great job at Notre Dame, but just in terms of what Michigan was built on, it was that secondary. Um, and so I'm very happy to get him back. Um, Martindale.
3: Ugh,
1: I mean, it feels like guys who come back to college and they're 60 plus, and they've been in the NFL for 20 years. They just kind of all think that, everything around them is like not quite right. It's not like not what they want to be doing. I'm just, I, it's, I'm skeptical because Michigan built this program in the last three years on a guy, a bunch of guys who are up and coming and hungry and they have that in Sharon Moore as their head coach. And I'd like to see that uh, continue, which is why I was very much in favor of, of Zach or who's the new Ravens defensive coordinator, the profile of a Martindale, like, coming back to college usually those guys it's like their way or the highway they're not really interested in listening they're not really interested in recruiting and i'm i was willing to do that for a guy like mcdonald martindale i don't know that that one seems like kind of um it's just it's just i'm iffy about it personally
2: greg ross
3: Yeah, well, I understand Brian's concerns, and and they're legit. I mean, is he going to come here and want to recruit? Probably not. It feels like a one-year stopgap to me, and I'm not sure if that makes much sense. On the other hand, we've had uh, two defensive coordinators over the last three years anyway, Um, and because they've been a success, they're young, they move on. Martindale's had ups and downs, but he's He's certainly competent at at what he's doing. And maybe he'll be here for five years. I guess the question is, um, for me, is how he he fits with the rest of the staff. He can't come in here and and have any sort of an attitude other than being the defensive coordinator, it seems to me. And he can't – he's got to be able to be deferential to Sharon, and to some extent, people who've been here, regardless of, of his role as DC, and so I I understand Brian's concerns. He may be right. Uh, on the one hand, I'm thinking, oh God, another Greg Robinson, <laughs> um, you know, and which is a nightmare. Or on the uh, versus, well, wait a minute, this is a guy who's been success. I mean, and wasn't he the guy who actually, in some context? Where uh, McDonald and Miner Minner learned their craft, and and so I, I guess wait and see. But I mean, the key to me is the the interview. The interview has to be such that it's clear, you know, he fits in with 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 the culture of uh, of Sharon and 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 the remaining coaches.
0: I yeah the his personality I don't know stories. Make it sound like he's a big personality, like he is yeah. a. But I, let's get something clear here, okay? Greg Robinson did not invent any defenses, okay? Wink Martindale <clears throat> invented the defense that Michigan's running. Mike McDonald I mean, was Wink Martindale's I, assistant, okay? Like, Jesse Minner like, came up under him. Zach Orr was a guy that Wink Martindale found. So let's get let's uh, the, the you want to keep running the Raven stuff. This is the number one guy you could get to run the Raven stuff.
1: Now I don't no, think he's going to last. No, I, very I just, long. I'm, not, I'm not buying that. Like I'm not buying a guy who hasn't been in college in 20 years, who's 60 years old, is going to come back to college and not just and not understand the environment he's in. Like I I'm feel not saying like...
0: that, but those are different things. You want to talk about this system that we run. The the Mich- Michigan's how how Michigan's defense works and how the defensive line works with the secondary and how the the way you because there's holes in this defense all over the place. It's not like it's I easy mean, I, to teach. It's a weird defense. We're,
1: like we're talking about, like a guy who at the Giants this year just played Don Brown stuff. Like he just blitzed and they finished 27th in total defense. 30th and they in got a lot of takeaways. Yeah, yeah, thirtieth yeah, in DVOA. Like. <laughs> it's not something that I'm interested in personally. Like I don't want a bad NFL coordinator and he might've been good before, but people change and it feels like he's not coming up with the times and he left the Ravens for a reason, right? Like, I think he, he left not leave because
0: the... they wanted to get Mike McDonald.
1: Okay. That's not, so. but, <laughs> and he apparently quit the giants because they fired some offensive line, some linebackers coach. And, like he, he, he like, like cursed some guy out and left the building. Like I'm not interested in that as a college coach. Like I'm not like, it just doesn't feel like it's going to work out.
2: So uh, a couple of things, I, I think you got to look at what you're trying to accomplish here. Uh, you want to run the Raven scheme. That's objective. Number one, this checks that box. You're going to get the guy. That does everyone have their different spin on it for sure. Cause you know, Jesse's is gonna version is gonna look different than Mike's, and Mike's is gonna look different than than um than Wink's, but Wink is who they learned under. So if you're looking for the players to not have to change anything, this is the plug and play guy. You put you bring them in and you don't have to change any terminology at all. The players can get rolling. So that's number one. Number two, if you're a first-time head coach, and in this instance, Sharon kind of talked about it at his his press conference a little bit, his his ideology of what he's looking for in a defensive coordinator. He's looking for a guy who has some experience and who's kind of like a head coach on defense. That's why the experience was so, so important to him to have on that side of the ball. It's why the internal piece wasn't the immediate thing to go to. So you get that. Then you look at how will the players react. And this was a a huge deal, and the players are really on board with both of these guys. As a matter of fact, but this was they knew this name more than they knew Joe Cullen. so that's another factor. And then finally, man, when you talk about recruiting, you know, it's, it's not like the last two coordinators were were guys who who really <laughs> who really did work on the recruiting trail. So knowing that that that's probably going to be the circumstance here for a guy who's so far removed from uh, from the college game and is, you know, 60 years old, as you pointed out, you need to backfill around him with pieces that are going to offset that. So that means who else do you hire and what do you do in your recruiting department? And these are going to be major, major focuses for Sharon Moore. I, I just, I don't really hold the Giants against him. I think circumstances matter. People talk sure. about, you know, you look at the, the team he had, you look at the the offense that was was there. Clearly, there was strife between he and Brian Dayball. Brian Dayball goes and fires some of his guys without even consulting him. That's a big-time disconnect. He Teams they, or people who worry about him being this blitz-happy guy, man, they say, well, Mike McDonald doesn't blitz all that. But, man, Mike, you see that defense? You look at that defensive line that Mike McDonald had with the Ravens this year. Of course he's not going to blitz a whole hell of a lot. Look at the defensive line that Wink Martindale will walk into. I, can't, I, I I just have a hard time feeling like the scheme or him running the defense, what, how they're going to look on the field, I have a hard time finding issue with that. To me, if there's a concern, it's that a guy of this presence, of this profile, would just run over a first-time head coach. If, if that's your concern, I think that's warranted. But the other stuff about what he, what he, kind of, what is he going to do, what is he going to call, how is he going to match up with these college offensive coordinators? I'm not concerned about that.
1: I mean, I, I honestly, the running over the head coach thing is probably fine. It's better than what happened to Scott Schaefer, yeah. right? Like, no fooling. Like, if, 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 uh, if Sharon Moore is like, I want to meddle with the defense and Wink Martindale hypothetically is like, no, that's for the best. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Sharon Moore is going to do that. Um, but, I do feel like it's complicated going from one thing to the other. and I know Michigan did a really had a really good hookup with Mike McDonald in, in the first year there, but he was here for one year and he left. And I feel like if you bring in a guy as a stopgap, that's worse under Sharon more than it was under Harbaugh because Harbaugh would just be like, all right, well, we're going to get the other guy. And I'm, I don't, I'm not entirely sure that Michigan is going to have like the ability to get another guy. If Wink Martindale is like, ah, I want, I'm, I'm an NFL guy, I want to go back to the NFL. Well, so, you know, I,
2: think, I think that's maybe part of your strategy. You know, maybe he's bringing in a guy he could train as a, uh, as the next guy, or maybe he can turn you on to who the next guy is. Because I think, you know, that's part. I think that was part of the process. You were talking to the Ravens guys about who the other guys are. So you were talking to Jesse and you were talking to Mike McDonald and you were talking to Wink Markdale and Wink Markdale said, I could be the guy, you know, kind of that, really? You could be the guy. Well, Well, let's talk kind of thing. And so I, I guess to, to me, if you're looking to hit the ground running on defense, you, your defense, you got dogs, you gotta, you gotta lock them down. And if you bring a guy who can just let them go, let them go do what they're doing. The defense should be beastly. They should be outstanding if if to me where does it matter where the the coordinator can run over the coach first time head coach the the authority the lines of authority have to be clear to me and so I, I think that's where a weak martindale would have to over deliver and I think Sharon probably has an understanding of that because towards the end of the of the of the Don Brown piece you know it was like buddy Ryan Mike Ditka. You know, Don Brown was, he, Don was over on his side and you couldn't tell him nothing. You know, he's running the defense. You couldn't tell him nothing. Jen Harbaugh couldn't tell him nothing. So that was part of the problem. Sharone has seen that. And I think having seen that, you would understand <coughs> like, okay, listen, Wink, if you're going to come in here, man, you it's got to be clear. You got to overperform that I'm the head coach. And especially the narrative is out there that you ran over Brian Dayball. I don't even know if that's true. That's perception. Hey, man, this got to be. The lines of authority have to be clear that that is something I think for the team. But as far as the scheme, Brian, I'm telling you, man, I, I just don't know how much better you could have done. If you want an experienced guy that can let these players go do what they've been doing. I, I just don't think you can find better than we,
3: you know, so what Sam's saying is, look, this gives us continuity, a continuity with guys who've been in this defense and have already, you know, proven themselves to some, to some large degree. And to, a part of the deal could be okay wink we know you're heading back to the NFL but we want you to to develop another person like you have before you develop a, a McDonald you develop a Zach or you, de- you develop a Minner and that can be a part of his job description we don't necessarily need you to recruit we we need you to develop the next guy that you've already done for us you know and and if his problem is that with other co- with other coaches is that he's been loyal to his own guys and got mad because his own guys were treated unfairly from his point of view well okay you know i'm not sure that that i dislike that
1: i mean i if he tries to bring in nfl position coaches that's bad yes. right That's what I was trying to get at here. Because they're they're gonna be like, what is this recruiting garbage? (laughs) Right. What is this NIL garbage? I don't want to do any of this. And that's Michigan needs every single position coach to be all hands on deck when it comes to recruiting if they're gonna be carrying a defensive coordinator who doesn't do it.
0: All right. I'm jumping out of my seat to say this because I've been trying to say it for ten minutes. The there's a huge difference between Mike McDonald's recruiting issues and Jesse Minners because Mike McDonald wasn't just one position on the coaching staff. It was two, right? He brought in Hilo and neither one of them was really recruiting that well. Hilo was better, but I mean, we don't have anybody from Hilo uh, recruiting on the team right now. And that was, that was his guy, right? He wanted to bring his guy. If Link wants to use another staff position for one of his guys and that guy's a hole as well, we're talking about another McDonald situation. Now Minner he didn't do that, right? They they had um, they had Hilo for one more year, and then we got Partridge, and Partridge went out and you know got got us a linebacker core for a couple of years, but you can't have two holes. I'm fine with Wink if he wants to be, if he's going to come here and he wants to be the the co- the you know the head coach of the defense and he's going to, you'll have Grant and Graham and Will Johnson and he's going to look like a genius. And Alabama's been doing this for ages, right? Where they bring in the NFL guy, he runs their defense for a couple of years and then he looks like he's great and they're going to bring him back to the NFL. If he teaches Klinkscale how to do all of it, and that that's your floor, is you just Make Link Slayer DC. I don't want to do that because he's one of our best recruiters, and you're going to take a lot, you know, put a lot more on him. But that's the concern here. My only, my, I think we're way underselling Wink as far as someone who will fit in the system. Somebody who is, I I mean, you're saying, oh, he's a sixty-year-old. He's a guy in his sixties. He's exactly sixty, right? (laughs) And he, I don't really care what happened in New York because New York's a flawed organization and we saw what happened with Harbaugh and the 49ers and it turned out it was the 49ers problem not Harbaugh's problem and I'm not going to look at anything that happens on the Giants especially because he didn't even get to run the defense that they run right they didn't get to do anything to like make his player personnel decisions like that was probably just a bad situation you look at what he did with the Ravens he had one bad year when everybody was injured right and everything else in the Ravens I mean this guy would be a superstar two years ago and I think that the reason why Ravens let him go is because his contract was almost up and Mike McDonald was going to go to somebody. And, you know, John Harbaugh was like, I want to get my genius. Mike McDonald's not coming here to coach. He's an NFL head coach right now. Jesse Minner is now an NFL DC. We're competing in a stratosphere and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves thinking that that's the kind of person we can always get. I don't know if that guy is out there right now.
2: Yeah, look, I don't want to, I I said this earlier, I'm not selling you a dream. I don't, I'm not saying that Wink is going to be able to come in here and beat Jesse. I think this this is going to be a situation where the student is better than the teacher. Jesse was that good. In my opinion, I mean, no offense to Wink. uh, But, man, you talk about to to be able to help solidify these guys with the confidence that they can go out and keep it running. They can go out and run it back. Because this whole process of protecting this roster, there are levels to it. It's, okay, hire a head coach that we'll stay for. Check. Because you hire somebody else, it'd be like Kalen DeBoer. With all the guys going to the portal, so they stayed. Then it's NIL. And I got to give the collectives credit because the, the, the assault on Michigan's roster has been real. The assault from all these programs coming in and, and trying to poach and agents shopping to different teams. That's real, too. If I'm Sharon, I'm talking to some of these agents like, hey, man, listen. We got to have a conversation because it's not just schools looking at these guys; it's these guys getting shot. That's a problem. But NIL has really stepped up in a way that has helped Michigan protect the roster. Now it's about who you're gonna hire, and if the fella, if they thought that, man, I don't know about who, I don't know about this guy that you're, these guys that you're talking to, there are other offers out there. They would be in the portal right now, so it should tell you something that they aren't. Wink Martindale's name is one that resonates in that defensive room. And you need something that resonates in that defensive room. If you want to have the the guys, the top guys that you had out there last year, you want those guys back, you need a name that resonates with them. And this is one that does it.
3: That seems a reasonable point. I mean, he may not be uh, prospectively recruiting, but he may be able to retain what you have.
2: And and, I don't, and, and be, be clear, I don't want to make this sound like a done deal. I don't know that he's going to take the job.
3: We don't know that he's going to take yeah. the job. Yeah. yeah,
2: he's going to get offered it if things go well. Then why wouldn't they, right? Mm-hmm. So he's, he's going to get offered the job. Now,
0: will he take it? We got to see.
3: Yeah. So
0: I, I think, you know, if. I think it works out for both parties. I I, I don't want to portray this like, oh, Michigan is settling because they couldn't get their guys. Wink is definitely one of the people in the small list of people that you would say, okay, if we can go get that guy, let's go get that guy. He is the one who invented this defense we're running. I don't think he's going to last here very long because he wants to go back to the NFL, but he, we're going to get our deal out of it. He's going to He'll come in here to train somebody else to, to be able to do this. Maybe it's Klink, whatever but he's going to come and run this defense. They're going to be like a top one or two defense next year in the country. And then he'll ride that back to the NFL and we'll go and get the next guy and it'll be fine. But that's what we want out of the situation. And that's what he wants out of the situation. I think it's, it's a, when I looked at who we could possibly get, my first hope was like, okay, who's the greatest defensive coordinator in the country right now? And I'm like, well, we just, we just sent him to the NFL. So what are you going to (laughs) do? You know what? Talking to you guys, I mean, that's a thing, and
2: this is a thing that I would talk to Clink about, Brian. Because like, like let's (laughs) let's say Wink is here a year or two, and who's the next guy? Is it an NFL guy he brings in, or if it's or is it Steve scale? and Bob Sharon, I'm talking to Clink like, okay, look, you clearly you had an issue with not being the DC right now. Well, let's let's talk about how that can happen. You need to be in Wink's back pocket. Learn. From Wink, and we could we could maybe have a progression here that would make that make make that make sense because he made he, there was a serious look at at going with Jim and the Chargers and the Jim Jim made an offer to get him to come out there, but he's back and that it didn't go away that him being not he wanted to be a pay, play caller he wanted to be the DC well this is how we can make that make sense learn under Wink the same guy who trained the last two defensive coordinators can maybe train you I could see that as a as a vision that could work.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, at that point, he'd have what, five, maybe six years of experience in the same defense. Like, I, I think you know, obviously he's very good at lots of parts of his job. And I don't think that being a the defensive play caller is beyond him in any way whatsoever. So I, I do think that, you know, that idea kind of mollifies me about, okay, what happens when there's a short timer? Because he's going to be a short timer realistically if he does yeah. come what happens when he goes so that if that can be communicated and seems like a a plan then that does make me feel better now you still gotta fill out your the rest of your openings with some dogs Mm -hmm. so because you know this isn't going to get any easier um the current state of college football is even more of a nightmare for for coaches than it was before NIL, because now not only do they have to recruit high school kids, they got to recruit their entire roster every year. So, until we get to the point where there there's a union and there's some contracts, um, and interestingly enough, there was a NLRB uh, assertion that Dartmouth players were employees, which is very tenuous for Dartmouth, (laughs) 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 but accurate for power five football players. Um, Like we could see some movement there. Um, And hopefully at that point, things get a little bit easier because you'll have some sort of certainty on your roster year to year. But yeah,
2: Yeah, I need to, I need to uh, really give credit to, because I've been talking for, for weeks, months, even going back to the beginning of the season about how there needs to be a greater understanding of what donor and collective support needs to look like, right? What it needs to, the the response that needs to be put forth and they're stepping up like in a big way, in a big way. And that, that should not, for as much talk as I've placed toward it, as much voice as I've lent to that it, for them to be stepping up in a way that they're stepping up right now to protect this roster, because it's been obscene, the, the poaching. And I'm not saying that from the standpoint of uh, let's let's report NCAA is no protection. Right. This is what's going on. The only protection is your people, your your donor support, who understands that, hey, man, you know, it, it might it, some guys you are going to have to let go. You know, if they want to pay 175 stacks for a backup, you got to let you got to let that go. But for some of the other guys, for your top guys. Yeah, you got to you got to come up with some big time deals and they are doing it. So between that and and then making the players hold that way and then giving them a a, a coach that they can feel good about I, I think for as for all the losses that we've seen especially losing Ben Herbert because that was big I mean to give them a guy that they're like excited about I, that's significant and the, the, the click skill I want to give you guys credit for that because I wasn't even thinking about you know it being a maybe an understudy kind of training sort of thing. But that's just something that Sharon is going to have to address, too, because he was really wanting to be the play caller. You didn't make him be that. And that's one of the reasons why he was looking around. Well, how can you how can you bring that back together in a way that's cohesive? And to me, it's like, hey, you know, I'm bringing him in, but he's not going to be around that long. We all know he's going to be here. He's a two year guy, maybe three. Who's going to be next? Well, if you train under him under these these next few years and the and the players start to buy into, yeah, you can do this, too. Guess what? You're the next guy. I can see that well, being a thing.
3: I would say that if uh Michigan's defense de- defense is kick-ass again this year, that Wink will be gone after a year. So in term in in, in terms of Clink, uh could be a pretty ideal situation, to be honest. So I, you know, mm-hmm. you've talked to me. I mean, and I'm sorta of, you guys have talked me into the notion where I was kind of Agnostic, starting talking into the notion. Maybe this really is a really good hire. I mean, you don't Sharon, call it a hire yet. If, if it is, if it happens. I mean, if Sharon and and Martindale can talk and and sort of work through roles and 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 what things are going to look like, then I think I'm I'm in.
2: Yeah, we'll 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 see. I mean, he's got to take the job, and you know, if he doesn't, people keep asking. I think the expectation is. If they offered, he'll take it. But you can never get. It. If he doesn't take it, you know. To me, you know who I, I would actually take a look at Kurt Mallory. I really would. I really would. The 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 conne- connect his connection with Jesse Minter. His connection with Minter was to the point where I really feel like he was he was he played a big role in Michigan on the back end their coverage variations the this this the strategy of it. And so you you weren't going to be able to keep him as an on-field coach. I think that was considered. But if an NFL team offered him an on-field job, he was gone. And, of course, the Ravens. (laughs) The Ravens came and did it. But as you come back around, you know, I I don't think some of the guys that left are all off limits. Like Dylan Roney going to be a QC guy, you know, he was a hell of a recruiter as a GA. I would take
3: a look at that guy. Where did Roney go, Sam? With
2: the Chargers. Because what was going to happen, Jesse was going to make Dylan Roney. The linebackers' coach, or excuse me, that was going to be Jesse's recommendation. Now it's Jim's decision mm-hmm. who the linebackers' coach is going to be, but Jesse wanted it to be Dylan Roney. And so, if it stands to reason, if he was going to make push for Dylan Roney to be the linebackers' coach, of course he's going to come get that guy. He doesn't have any GA um, eligibility left. So, the only way for Michigan to really keep him is to make him an on field coach. So, I think that that's still something that you can go for potentially depending on what happens with with wink and same thing with kurt mallory you aren't gonna be able to keep him as in as an analyst but if something happens with wink and he goes and you need someone who could come in and run this scheme do what you've done who was instrumental in the in in strategy and implementation and all of that who's been who's done who's called a defense i would look at him if we're just talking about a guy who could come in and keep it rolling
0: yeah, I'm, so. i If you bring in Mallory over Clink, I think that's that'll be it for Clink. Though, I think, yeah, I mean, he's going to be DB's coach for it. Jim, right? Like he's gonna. That's that's what that's what Mallory's doing out there. For and, John, yeah, yeah.
2: He, I, no, he got
1: he got hired by the Ravens.
0: Oh, for the Ravens. Sorry, yeah. Well, for for Harbaugh. Um, I, we did elevate uh JB Brown to the to special teams coach, and he was working under Jay. I think, and he's another one of those guys that like he wasn't an on-field coach, so we weren't talking about him. But then when you mention him to somebody in the program, they're like, "Oh yeah, that guy. I'm glad we kept that guy." I didn't know Sam. You know more about him than I do.
2: Yeah, same same thing. He was Jay's right hand man in, in, in everything. He was Jay's right hand man with when it came to special teams. He was Jay's right hand man when it came to safeties. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, if he winds up in that room with Clint. Uh, I don't know what they're gonna do with with, with analysts um uh coming forward. We got to see how the rest of the the, the staff kind of shakes out. I mean, you got to get the defensive coordinator hired and then you can you can figure out the rest and you know figure out whatever's left uh offensively. You got a negotiation going on with Mike. You got to see how that goes. Um and then, you know, settle things from there. So, you you're right, Brian. How does the rest of the staff fill out from a recruiting perspective is really important, including the recruiting department, which by you know every measure is going to is gonna be improved. They're gonna add personnel, they're gonna add uh scouting, they're gonna add even when it comes to you know relationship building, every single aspect of recruiting is gonna be addressed because it's just for for Sharone's, I'm not saying what Jim was bad, but I think Sharone's his where where he is as far as recruiting is concerned and, and what he wants to put into it is different. Than Jim, than if that makes sense. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. We need to get a break in. I know we're way past the break. So, we'll squeeze it in now, come back on the other side here on the Michigan Insider M Global R Roundtable Sports Talk 1050, WTKA, the ticket.
1: Thank you, Sam. Clear
3: on the radio.
2: All righty. Yeah. I was like, sh- shoot, it's 9 44. <laughs>
3: uh, did Love you guys that. see, I'm sure you did, the stuff with the Lee, is it Lee Ali, Ali, Ali? Ali? The basketball uh, player. Aaliyah, from, Aaliyah.
2: I thought it was
3: Aaliyah. Yeah, Aaliyah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nine hundred dollars. Is that the deal? He got paid nine hundred dollars in, <throat> in room and board, and the NCAA is. Uh,
1: oh, I didn't know that was what it was over.
3: Nine hundred dollars. Yeah, there's no, a. the test.
1: There's an M Live article about it. Okay. Where yeah. they're like they wanted him to get grocery receipts receipts from two yeah. years ago. Because they thought he was being paid more than the cost of living, and so they wanted him to pay like fifteen thousand dollars and be suspended for twenty games, and they strung him along until now. It's like it's like Jamal Crawford, except it over is. yeah, that's Jamal Crawford all the way. You're right. Yeah. And I mean, like, look, what what are we? This is twenty twenty four. What are we doing? Yeah. Like, it, I mean, of all the NCAA things in the past year, this one makes me the
3: maddest. It's like me too. Me too. It's 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 outrageous. I mean, here's a kid who wants to go to college, and he they allege he got nine hundred dollars in grocery money, <clears throat> and they're going to keep him out of college over nine hundred dollars in grocery money because the kid can't find receipts. I don't keep receipts. I don't know any eighteen-year-old who keeps receipts. I mean, come on. Uh, this is this, this to me is directed at Michigan. Not the kid, but the real fallout is for is for the kid because because uh, now oh, he's going to go to Spain, I guess. <clears> but <throat> but it, it, that's not what he wanted. I, I no, he I, wa- I wish I
1: didn't. He wasted a season. He wasted a year of his life. Yeah. yeah. Like trying to get into Michigan, and it's just like
0: I, it's yeah. It's, yeah. Maybe it's, it's more evidence Michigan. that the NCAA is right, antithetical. Right. right. To what the to what the NCAA is about that the NCAA what what the whole what they say they're about is is education and the benefit of the kids and whenever they get an opportunity to make a decision between maintaining their structure and and making money and letting and allowing the rampant cheaters to go ahead and do whatever they want to they just go ahead and do that but whenever they have an opportunity to provide protect someone's education or keep somebody in school who wants to stay in school. They don't do that. The NCAA is antithetical to everything the NCAA says it stands for. And, you know, this is going to go by the wayside because it was a basketball player on a bad team that wasn't going to change anything, but this should be the last straw. When you look at this story and see what the NCAA did and then try to figure out what happened, work back, who was making these decisions, who was asking for these receipts. The people in charge of this thing are not even full-time employees. They're just – I mean, they
1: should have enro- They should have enrolled them and played them anyway. Yeah. Right? Like
3: That's what I – Brian, I'm with you on that. I, I, I say the hell with them. Bring them into school, play them, and then, and then if they do anything, sue them. Back on um, radio in about 30 seconds. And – you know, that's what you have no... to do
0: nowadays. That's exactly what you have to do nowadays.
3: Because this is this is right in there. I mean, I thought I, we got hammered with Jamal Crawford before, was outrageous. And Mitch McGarry. And yeah. It's the same uh, yeah, another guy who same... wanted to be in college. Yeah.
0: He wanted to be in college another year, and what did they do? They they made this whole thing over a rule that they had already gotten rid of.
1: Just yeah, so well, they can nail him. I like I mean what are you gonna do, bureaucrats? <laughs> fire them all into space.
3: Back on radio in about ten seconds, guys. Yeah.
2: So, guys, uh, kind of a you know rapid fire. I, I hate to do that with with a, with a few different topics, but Brian, you mentioned the um, the Dartmouth um, unionization uh, thing that's about to happen. It, it feels like another uh, another. Um, uh, sort of existential crisis for the NCAA on the heels of one with the Tennessee Attorney General suing them. What do you think the implications of this will be? Do we do we see the quicker demise of the NCAA, which we were talking about in the break, as they uh, they kept Leah Leah from from enrolling at Michigan?
1: Well, so the National Labor Relations Board is appointed by the current administration, so it goes back and forth. Uh, depending on if it's a Democrat or a Republican. And the last time this happened, I believe it was a Republican administration, and they were like, no, you're not employees. So it's going to depend significantly on the 24 election. Uh, not to get too political, but uh, you know, if a Republican takes office in 2024, um, it's likely that this regional board ruling gets appealed up to the national level and gets overturned. So. Question for you, real quick, because
2: I want to I want to ask you a question about that particular thought. It really feels like as NIL has become more of a national topic, that the support for for opposition to the NCAA has been more bipartisan. Do you do you not sense that that would be a factor here?
1: I I feel like this might be an exception because they the perspective of college. Uh, Athletes unionizing would not be great for a Republican administration, so I think that they would be opposed to that in particular. And they would, while they would be okay paying people under the table or for whatever reason, like they don't <laughs> they don't like unions. I'm trying not but to they like grift. Yeah, they do. Um, thanks, thanks. So I was trying to keep it like neutral, but right. you know, it is what it is. So if um, I think that the courts are a a much more reliable path towards the total dismantling of the NCAA. Um, And that's gonna take some time. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, I mean, it seems to me that the Northwestern students a decade ago or whenever it was were exactly right when they tried to unionize. And it seems to me, you're not gonna have a coherent system until you have uh unionization among athletes until they're employees they're paying taxes and you've got a coherent set of rules the the current situation makes no sense is all i can say and and it is a system of grift and uh from my point of view and so i hope this you know uh, becomes becomes the reality I, for college sports
0: i i I agree with everything you guys are saying. I want to bring up a couple pieces that are – I'm not saying like this is this is going to stop it from happening, but why there's so much um, – on the, on the top level, why there's so much uh, holding on to the current system. One, they've been laundering all the money that comes into colleges through building projects, and those building projects pay out over many years. So the schools don't – They it, we think that they're awash in money. They technically are, but – you know, they they found ways to make it look like they're not making money. That's one piece of it. Another piece of it is donors who've been giving a lot of money over many years, who are doing it under the table, are liable for taxes for that. Those are gifts. And if you have gifts over $10,000, you have to pay taxes on it. And one of the concerns, I was talking to a, a Georgia guy, um, one of their main concerns. And one of the things they're thinking about, actually having the coaches, or sorry, having the program, ask their state legislature to do, is once this stuff starts coming out, and you figure out who were the big money guys, if you, if the NCAA ends up having to say, hey, you guys have to report money that previous people made, there's going to be a lot of people who have big, big tax bills who are big, big donors for this program, and I think one of the things you're going to see quietly happen. Fairly soon, are some of these legislatures also going to protect those donors? Because when you talk about who has the political clout and who's moving a lot of these conversations, that's where the opposition's coming from. That's who our that's who the problem has been all along. And they are powerful people who have a lot to say. And I watch for that, watch that because I think it's going to happen in Georgia soon. And I think it's going to happen in Mississippi and Alabama and Tennessee soon after that.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean? they're just saying death by a thousand pinpricks. This, this does though, so, even if it's not this particular case, it just feels like it's death by a thousand. They catching bullets, man, not pins. Because Tennessee Attorney General he threatened them before. You guys remember that when when he said, Well, if you give us a postseason ban, uh, right. I'm gonna sue you because you're messing with NIL. Then they actually, I guess, they're investigating. As soon as we're suing you right now. Because you're messing with with nil now, there was a temporary stay. They stayed. They gave him a TRO, I guess, right? But I, Ira was going over this on the air yesterday. It made it sound like the the judge in the judge's ruling. I don't know if it was a man or a woman. Made it sound like, well, you know, this is actually a good case, right? <laughs> that, <laughs> right. The TRO the was act-
0: turned down because because you can be right made right with money. That we learned yeah. all about TROs when Michigan went through this recently, mm-hmm. and one of the main things is if you can take care of it monetarily, then it's not a you know you don't need an emergency relief, and that was
2: yeah, what the. Adequate,
3: judge said. It's called adequate remedy at law. So yeah, so It remember.
2: sounds like the NCAA is in, in real trouble, and why, the reason why we got on that topic is because you guys talked about the case of Leah Leah, and for folks who don't know, because I hadn't actually been obviously Tunnel Vision here the last couple of days, I hadn't read that story. But it, as you mentioned it, I thought immediately of Jamal Crawford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Craig, that, that that is one that will stick in my craw forever, probably Jamal's forever. Yeah. Mitch really? McGarry was more, more recent. This is just the latest screw job from the NCAA. Yeah.
3: I mean,
1: the NCAA preventing people who want to play college sports <laughs> from playing college sports has got to be the dumbest thing in the history of the organization. Like
3: yeah, but it, it absolutely is. But that's who they are. Can you it share? Also- real quick, can you
1: share what happened with Leah? Leah, real quick. So, uh Aaliyah was uh compensated by a team in Argentina for cost of living, basically, and the NCAA wanted extensive documentation from an 18-year-old kid about grocery receipts, uh, receipts, and all that kind of stuff, which. And they eventually came to a conclusion that he had to pay back like $15,000 and was going to be suspended for 20 games. And he said, no, I'm going to go to Spain. A ridiculous, I mean, it's 2024. We are legalizing guys getting millions of dollars from NIL. And they are complaining about this guy getting chump change in Argentina. And I mean. For
3: food. For his food while he was playing on the touring team.
1: And it's just like some guy in a suit who's been doing the same job since 1979 and hates it and hates everybody around him is screwing this kid out of the opportunity to play for the university of Michigan. There could not be a better example of why the NCAA needs to die yesterday.
3: Yeah. I, I I'm a hundred percent with you on this. I read, I read, uh, the article and, uh, it it, it just made me furious uh, because again, like the Crawford case or like the Mitch McGarry case, you had someone who wanted to go to school, wanted you know wanted to play play basketball at the NCAA level, and the NCAA stopped him for no good reason at all, for no reason at all. He wanted truly. to come.
0: He wasn't just because he wanted to play basketball for the NCAA. He wanted to make this decision because he wanted the education in Michigan. That's what he was really coming yeah. for. The number one thing that he wanted to come for was the education at Michigan. And Jamal Crawford was the same example. Crawford wanted to come here because he wanted an education at Michigan. And for some reason, the NCAA's biggest problem seems to be when somebody wants to go to college for an education as opposed to just making them money. I don't know why they decided that that's the line that they're going to cross. And I wish that I didn't have to sound like Craig here and think that someone's really got it in for Michigan, but it does feel like it because when it happens, it happens with a guy who wants to go to Michigan. It's probably happening because somebody there doesn't believe that these kids ever wanted to go to school. You remember, I remember when Penn state got, got in trouble and and obviously they deserved some major trouble for what, what went on there. But one of the things the NCAA did was they said anyone on that team can transfer automatic, can transfer right away. And that was supposed to be the biggest punishment. And then most of the kids stayed at Penn State because most of the kids were at Penn State because they wanted a degree from Penn State, which is a fantastic university. And this surprised the hell out of the people who made the decision. They thought if these guys aren't, you know, if the scholarship money is going to go down, or if they're not going to be winning, that these guys are going to transfer in a moment. And it doesn't even cross their mind that going to a good school to get an education and play sports would be meaningful to these guys. We
2: will obviously pick this up another time, as this is an ongoing topic. Always a great time with the Roundtable. Check them out on mgovlog.com We got to get out of here. We'll see you tomorrow on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050, WTKA, The Ticket, and Arbor Accumulus Station.